It's Dr. Amantha Imber here from How I Work. For the next four Mondays, I'm going to be coming to you with something a little bit different. It's a collaboration with Dr. Justin Coulson, who you might know as the host of Parental Guidance and also from the Happy Families podcast, a show which I personally love. Over the next four weeks, Justin and I are going to be having a chat about health and well-being. We're going to be talking about how to better manage stress, how to attain the always seemingly out-of-reach work-life balance, and how to get more physical movement into every day. And today, we're going to be delving into the world of sleep and some practical ways you can get more of it. So we've heard it all before that sleep is vital for managing our stress, managing our health, and basically being at our best. But I know some people think about sleep, particularly parents with younger kids, can think about sleep as a luxury item. Justin, I know you've come across this a lot in your work. Yeah, sleep is not a luxury item. But like, let's just be real about it for a sec. How often do you kind of think, oh... The kids are in bed or I've just closed my computer. I've got all the emails out of the way. I'm ready for tomorrow. And now I just want some me time. I want some brain dead time. I just want to zone out and, ah, you know what I might do? I might watch one episode of that series that I've been really enjoying, but I haven't been able to watch it for the last three or four weeks because it's been so busy. But I'll just watch one episode. It's already 10 o'clock at night, maybe 10.30, and you put it on and you're watching it and you go, oh, gee, I love this. You're kind of falling asleep while you're watching it, but you love the show. And then you think, oh, they've left it on a cliffhanger. I'll just watch one more. And next thing you know, it's 11.30 or 12 or 12.30 at night. I I mean, I'm a keen cyclist. And when the grand tours are on in Italy and Spain, and especially the Tour de France, I so badly want to stay up until 1.30 in the morning and watch every one of those stages. And we treat sleep like it's oh, I might take it off the shelf and use it today. Oh, no, I don't need it now. We treat it like it's a luxury item. Amantha, if I was to give what I think is the number one parenting and the number one productivity hack, it would be get enough sleep. I would, I would, I would put that above almost anything else that I could say for being a good parent, a good uh, employee, a good person, get enough sleep. Do you want to react to that? Do you, do you disagree with me or are you right there with me? What do you reckon? I am right there with you. And I like, while I can't relate to staying up late watching cycling, <laughs> I can relate can. <laughs> to binge watching Succession or White Lotus. And, you know, a, a lot of sleep experts talk about the, the two S's of sleep in terms of what your bed should be reserved for. One of those S's is not screen. But Justin, I think you know what these two S's are that I'm talking about, yes? Yes, and I like both of them a lot. (laughs) In case you are puzzled, (laughs) if you are listening, they are sleep and sex. But sadly, a lot of us do lots of other things in bed, um, particularly to do with our mobile phones. And this is so bad for sleep. Um, I'm curious, Justin, what's the most common piece of advice you find yourself giving to people that are struggling with their sleep right now? A a couple of things. Usually screens are involved. I I have to, I I mean, I don't have a problem with screens, but I do in that sort of, uh, let's say that the 30 to 60 minutes before sleep, like they really, we've got enough scientific evidence now to say this is a challenge, but waking up as well, that that first, I'm going to say first 15 minutes. If you can spend the first 15 minutes of your day not looking at your device, 
the day just feels different. Your energy feels different and you can kind of get on with things. You'll just be a better, I, I think you'll be a better person. Uh, but the other thing that I say all the time, Amantha, is if you can't get to sleep without the narcotic of the screen, which is kind of ironic because research shows that it stimulates the brain. Uh, but if, if you feel like you need that screen, I, I just say to people, pick up a nonfiction book. Um, there's this great author called Dr. Amantha Imber. There's another guy called Justin Coulson. We, we write these nonfiction books. And usually at that hour of the night, the brain responds differently to that kind of input and it helps you to go to sleep. Really, bed, as you've said, is, is for those two S's. And when we remember that, we end up having a much more fulfilling relationship with our partner and we also end up having a much better and more productive life and relationship with everyone around us because we've had enough sleep. I love what you said about not going straight to your mobile phone when you wake up. And what I've been reading a lot about lately is the importance of getting natural light soon after you wake. So this can be as little as five minutes of natural light. And obviously this is a bit more difficult in the winter because obviously in Australia where we're recording this from, we are about to head into winter where it is darker for longer. Um, But what we know from a lot of scientific research is that if we can look at natural light, the sun rising, the daylight, it helps reset our internal body clock which means that when bedtime comes around, we will feel sleepy at the time that we need to feel sleepy to get a good amount of sleep. So um, a hack that I love is either getting outside just for a quick walk, five or 10 minutes, take the kids, or if the morning is just too crazy to do that, at least try to be near some natural light, whether that um, be like a window in your home, um, or perhaps if you're working from an office, when you get to the office, just try to get some natural light. It helps immensely in setting yourself up for where you need to be body clockwise. Some people are hearing what you're saying, Amantha, and saying, this is a special form of torture. I can't imagine doing it myself, (laughs) let alone trying to get the kids out of bed in the morning for it. And yet, like you said, so much evidence for it. Uh, We specifically moved to the coast so that we could be near the beach and have those mornings watching the sunrise. And we make sure that we do it several times a week. It's really hard to do it, but oh my goodness, gee, it feels good. There's a saying that I share with parents all the time, and that is that nature is fuel for the soul. Not just ours, but our kids. So whether you're listening to this as a parent or you're just listening to it as a a person who wants to make the most of my life, nature is fuel for the soul. And there's something really special about that, that early morning calm that comes as the sun's rising and the light is not so bright that you can't really look at it. There's just something beautiful about it. And and I love how you've linked that to how we sleep and our ability to get to sleep. I'm also thinking specifically in a parenting context, but it applies to all of us. There's all this stuff around uh, sleep hygiene. Sleep hygiene means you want to make sure the temperature's right. You want to make sure that it's dark enough, that it's quiet enough, all those kinds of things. But something that's often overlooked and we've got some pretty cool studies about it, is research into consistency of bedtime. So you're talking about that morning thing with the sun coming up and resetting your circadian rhythm, your body clock. Researchers have found, and I'm talking specifically about kids here, but it applies to adults as well. If we can make sure that we're going to bed within about 30 minutes of our usual bedtime consistently, we have greater sleep duration and higher quality sleep. 
So if the kid's bedtime is eight o'clock, you want them going to bed between 7.45 and 8.15 more often than not. Those late nights blow it apart. And for you as an adult, work out what time you've got to get up and then count back the hours. Again, sleep's not a luxury item. If you need your eight hours and you've got to be up at, well, for me, because I'm a bit silly, somewhere between 4 and 4.30, that means bedtime's got to be around 8.30 at night. Or you turn into a pumpkin. Like You just can't function long-term. One or two days, no problem. But long-term, it's a disaster zone. It is. And on the flip side of going to bed at a similar time, you know, we talked about morning exposure to light, but also waking up at the same time every day is huge. And I think that people really mm. underestimate this. Like yeah. I I liken this to, you know, I travel a lot for work and sometimes that will involve crossing small time zones, like going from Melbourne where I'm based to New Zealand um, where there's a two-hour time difference. And I know I always underestimate how much that will mess with me. I'm like, it's only two hours. It knocks you around so much. It really does. But then you think about how a lot of people behave with their sleep. Like they might get up at, say, 6 a.m. or 6.30 a.m. to get to work or to get the kids out the door in time to do school drop-off and then get to the office. But then on the weekend, things are a bit more chill and it's quite easy to sleep in till 8 or 9 a.m. That is pretty much like flying to New Zealand every weekend and then returning and getting jet lag on Monday. And, you know, no one likes jet lag. So try to wake up at the same time every day. You'll feel a whole lot better. Yeah, I love that. I, I do the same. New Zealand, Perth, sometimes to Asia uh, with, with my travels. And I find that that two-hour time zone is really, really hard to take. Uh, just recently, my family went on a cruise and we headed through the Pacific to Hawaii. And every day or every second day, depending on how much ground we tra- traveled across, we had to keep on changing our clocks by one hour. And by the end of the week, we'd done four or five of those changes and I was a basket case. I just, I was so sleep deprived because I lost an hour every single night. And it reinforced to me if we want to be healthy, if we want to be happy, if we want to be balanced, if we want to be good employees, if we want to be good parents, if we want to be good partners, we need to get our sleep. We absolutely do. Justin, I've loved hearing your tips for a better night's sleep. And I'm thinking we'll hopefully both sleep well tonight after having such a, a fun chat about it. Yeah, and I love yours as well. I'm going to work a little bit more consistently on that light shower in the morning. Such a great idea. And i got to get screens out of my bedroom. I needed that reminder. Today's episode of How I Work was produced by iHeartRadio. If you would like more tips on how to live and work better, head to amantha.substack.com to sign up for weekly and practical tips to get better at life. And if you're not a subscriber of How I Work, simply click subscribe or follow and you will get episodes every Thursday. 